Today's episode of Brody and the Beard is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with the free stock by going to brody.robinhood.com. That's B-R-O-D-I-E dot robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel, and not with me again is Kelly Eco. He's still under the weather. Everybody send good thoughts. I think we're hopefully going to get him back next week. Uh, you know, he's he's on the road. He's working, but, you know, still not feeling well enough yet. So we brought in our guy, Eric Horn. He's the athletic beat writer for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And last night was kind of a big game. I don't know if many people had noticed. Uh, we had the... Uh, Russell Westbrook returned to Oklahoma City. But before we get to that, Eric, man, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, it's like right when you said my name would cut out, so I had to quickly call back in. But we're here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm not sick. I'm present. We can talk about Russell Westbrook. Well, just, just to give you a little little back story on, on this podcast, I don't think there's been an episode where both Kelly and I have been healthy. Uh, I started the season with like a sinus infection of some sort. And sounded so nasally that I it, it it's it was just so weird. I don't know what people think my actual voice sounds like, and only now am I finally healthy. And so it's uh it's almost as much as it's Brody and the Beard podcast. It's also been two sick boys podcast. Uh, <laughs> but let's do it, man. Let's dive in. You know, first off, I want your impressions of the the tribute video the Thunder put together for Westbrook before the start of the game. I thought it was perfect because I, I think that there there tends to be this approach, and we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but there tends to be this approach with Westbrook that's kind of black or white. People are either just feverish supporters of him or they are just wholly against everything that he's about in the basketball sense. And I think that that's kind of when you mesh those together, that's kind of the beauty of like Westbrook's story. He's this guy that's like not black and white, but people want to make him into this black and white thing. And I thought the best thing that they, they did about the video was they took the fun, the off-court stuff, 
the on-court stuff, and then also kind of the attitude that kind of rubbed people in this way. They they kind of had him like making these scoffing noises in press conferences, <laughs> and they yeah. spliced it together. <laughs> and like even I like that made me laugh. Like that legitimately made me laugh. And I had to like cover this guy for four years, and there were times where I would go to I would go home at night and just be just disgusted with like every interaction that I've had with this guy and it would just all add up and, and they would they would just come to a boil and I was like this guy was like taking years off of my life but like to see that at the last night and I said this on the Down to Dunk podcast I never thought that I could have an emotional feeling about Russell Westbrook again or in any way after covering him for four years no, it was really cool to see all of his triumphs, but what really moved me was that the Thunder took the time to actually include that this guy, like, kind of treated us like crap. <laughs> 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 like, like they actually had the, they spliced together, like, the three or four moments where he kind of scoffed at a question, kind of did that, <laughs> like, kind of thing, like, where he's like, you tripping, man. Like, he's, he's done that to so many people. Um, I'm surprised I didn't throw next question in there. That would have been. That's what I was. Too. I was. I was just thinking in my head. Why wasn't yeah. there a next question coming? I in think there? that would have almost been like a glorification of like where he took it too far. Right. But <laughs> they just did a really good job of like of, of just highlighting the personality he brought to that franchise. Um, and and it moved me. It really did, and it moved me to think about how other people have been moved by him. The, the, the conversations I've had leading up to this, um, just the feeling in the arena that night um, from all the people that work there, um, from the fans, from, you know, the, the, the players, you could see it. You could tell that this meant a lot to, to everyone. And it was, it was special. Yeah. And, you know, like to touch on it, there was a great piece on the athletic they've had a lot of great writers come through the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, beat, yourself included, Fred Katz, Darnell Mayberry, Anthony Slater, Brett Dawson. Everybody kind of wrote a piece as to their their Westbrook moment across the board. I think everybody's was different. And I really enjoyed yours because it kind of touched on him on the court and just kind of the beast he was, you know, and, and, and like, yo, when Russ wanted to get the rebound, Russ was getting those rebounds. When I wrote the piece for The Athletic and after I finished writing what I wrote, I actually felt kind of bad when I saw everybody else's pieces like Fred and Brett's because they put these like really personal kind of interactions and, and set great scene. And those guys are great writers. I think they're better writers than I am. But like I was trying to be as honest as possible in, in what what I was conveying in my writing. And honestly, like my, my greatest Westbrook memories and my fondest Westbrook memories aren't of the the stuff that Brett and, and Fred described. Like I like there are a lot of Westbrook moments and scrums and media sessions that I was not having fun. I did not enjoy asking Russell Westbrook questions. I did not enjoy watching him treat people poorly. Like that's that that wasn't fun to me. And and you know I, I spent a lot of <laughs> my time and you know wasting my time waiting for him and then getting poor answers from him um, right. for things that he probably should have been accountable for as leader of the team. And at the end, I think he did kind of 
make for a, a, a bad atmosphere in the organization and in the locker room. Um, now, it resulted in a lot of wins, but uh, those just aren't the fondest memories to me of those those kind of interactions or him keeping us at distance. Like to me, the the coolest, funnest stuff was most fun stuff was watching him do things that nobody else could do on a basketball court, and that's why I picked that sequence, those three rebounds. Um, you know, just some kind of game that you'll probably just sweep under the rug against the the Orlando Magic in my first season covering the team, and um. You know, this is this is the Thunder uh, with Durant and Serge Ibaka and, and Westbrook, and all three of those guys had major roles in beating that Magic team that night. And you say, you know, it's the Magic. They're supposed to beat them. But he, in retrospect, and I said this in my piece, you think about that Thunder team and you think about them taking the Warriors to where they did. And I still, to this day, think that you've never seen a Warriors team healthy more vulnerable than they were against the Thunder in that Western Conference Finals when they went down 3-1. Um, you think about, yeah, you think about the power and the force of that Thunder team, but then you think that they finished with a 55-27 and 27 record in the regular season. They coasted through a lot of games, and there were a lot of those games where Durant would take the team and basically say, okay, we're playing like crap. I'm going to score 12 points in the next three or four minutes and we're going to get out of here. Or there would be nights where, okay, we're playing like crap. Russell Westbrook says, I'm going to go get three or four rebounds and we're going to get out of here, steal a couple possessions because we've been screwing around all game. This was one of those games. He gets two offensive rebounds on one possession where he has no business getting these rebounds. And it's the first time in my career I've ever seen someone get a standing ovation for two offensive rebounds. (laughs) It's like, and I, and I'm, and I'm literally laughing as he gets the second one on Alfred Payton because he does kind of this thing where he, he stabs at it. He takes it, he he gets there first and then Payton has another chance to get at it. But then Russell does like a quick dribble to his left and Payton just kind of swipes it air. Russell calls a timeout. I'm laughing. Uh, Barry Trammell is next to me. He's laughing too. And it's like, it's not like we even looked at each other. We're looking at the play and we're both like individually laughing at how absurd it is what Russell Westbrook is doing. And then he gets that last rebound at the end of the game um, where Peyton has the rebound and Russell just pounces on it uh, along the baseline, turns around, throws it back in. And when he throws it back in, they call timeout. He scores a layup to tie the game. Kevin Durant ends up winning it on the game winning jumper. It's just stuff like that where he. He would steal games from what clearly should have been losses. He would just take games out of nothing. It would be like, it would be like a, a, you know, we just saw like a guy like Deshaun Watson, like throw a first down pass at a playoff game last week when he looked like he was sacked or, you know, just, just, just absurdities where, if you probably like did calculations, the Thunder probably had like a certain percent chance of losing a game. Russell Westbrook would would take those calculations and ball them up and throw them back in your face and be like, "Screw you, man! Like I don't care about the numbers. Like I'm Russell Westbrook." He was just defiant in everything he did and in every way he did it, but he was so damn good that it got the Thunder out of a lot of situations that they probably shouldn't have been in. that that they put themselves in. Well, I I, I highly recommend everybody. 
go check out all five pieces. Cause I think the good thing about you kind of focusing on those three rebounds and Fred and Brett talking about the off the court, you know, scrums and things like that. And, and, you know, Slater kind of just talking about him taking, you know, Russ's kind of drive and, and Mayberry about Russ kind of being an Iron Man. I think across the board, you guys give a good view of Westbrook in Oklahoma City. So let's get to Westbrook being in Oklahoma City last night, playing this game against the, uh, against his old team after the, the tribute video. It's like, cool. Now we can play. And man, the Rockets got it handed to them last night. Like, I mean, Harden had a rough night, five of 17. Westbrook was aggressive and, and was killing them in the post and all that stuff. And he finished with 34 points, five assists, two rebounds, which was kind of surprising. Um, but also seven turnovers. It was kind of a tough night overall. I'm a little bit sad this game was on a back-to-back. Yeah, that was the big bummer and kind of the caveat you have to throw in there. You know, James Harden played 40 minutes against the Hawks the previous night. You know, it it, it kind of sucked in that regard. Uh, you wish there would have been some time in between the games. But to me, that would be to discredit what the Thunder did, too. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, Thunder, this is part of the NBA, right? Like, yeah. you got back-to-backs. You got to be able to play. And you got to think of it from this standpoint, too. The Thunder was playing for the third time in four nights. They come off a four-game road trip uh, where they were playing four and six. Um, this wasn't a Thunder team that was at, that, that was exactly fresh, too. But they right. looked they looked relentless. Um, they were, they did not stop um, at every opportunity. They got quickly into their offense. Uh, I thought it was extremely important for every time that Westbrook scored or it seemed like they would immediately respond. It was Chris Paul coming down and getting the three. It was getting to Nilo Gallinari quickly into a mismatch in the post. Um, it was the energy coming off of the bench. Uh, those guys were talking. I don't know if I've heard the Thunder communicate more um, during a game this season. And that might be a product of how loud it was in the arena. They had to communicate, but they were, and I wrote this, I, I felt like they were feeding off of the energy that Westbrook brought to the building. And in a way it played against the Rockets because this was a Rockets team that was on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, James Harden clearly wasn't at his full force. And the Thunder kind of turned that energy into something that pushed them into you know a stratosphere where we haven't seen them hit that level very many times this season. Russell Westbrook admitted it after the game that they played the Thunder played much better than the previous meeting that they had uh, in the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I think that's also a product of the Thunder just kind of playing better throughout the the course of the season. I mean, yes. they've been on a hell of a tear lately. Have firmly kind of entrench themselves in the in the playoffs at this point i mean i'd be it'll take a serious drop for them to 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 miss it at this point and you know you touched on it all like you know listen i've worked with chris when i was with the clippers like i know his attitude coming into this game was like cool we're gonna let russ have his moment but then i'm coming to kill him you know and 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 he was aggressive all night you know gallinari was awesome and it's it you know, I kind of tweeted, it was like, it's almost kind of like in all the hoopla, we sort of did forget about Gallinari, <laughs> or at yeah. least I did a little bit. And then he goes in and starts crushing them. Everybody all around had a, had a solid game, um, for the thunder. And this is a really aggressive thing. Like, this is what I want. This is, this is my dream first round matchup. Now, this is what I want. I want yeah. thunders, 
Thunder Rockets first round. Just everything that's going to go on between the two organizations, the the history between these two organizations, like they're going to be tied together for so long. I mean, just with the the two biggest trades in Oklahoma City Thunder history are the Harden trades and the Westbrook trade. Both went to the Rockets. Like it's kind of amazing. Yeah. And it's it's kind of amazing that from the Harden trade, the Thunder really only has one piece left to show for it. Even the stuff that they traded, you know, to, to trade Jeremy Lamb, they got back nothing. Um, right. One of the first round picks they used on Mitch McGarry, who basically smoked himself out of the league. You know, Steven Adams is the last remaining piece. Alex Abrinas was a guy who was a second round pick they received from um, from the Rockets. And Alex Abrinas is back in um, he's back in Spain now. Steven Adams, he's the last guy left from this from this Harden trade. So it's like you're saying, there's so many connections between these franchises. Um, you can even go back to the to the 17 series, where that was the first time that the Thunder made the playoffs post Durant, and you know James Harden and Lou Williams just you know laid them to waste. They really didn't have an answer for those guys. So it would be a great series. I think it would be highly competitive. Uh, I'm still interested to see what this, what both teams are going to look like once we get to that point, because I think the Rockets still have a trade to make. They've probably got to get another guy defensively because PJ Tucker is just, he's not going to be able to shoulder that entire load by himself. Um, Right. And I think the Thunder, they're in a place where they're really, they really like the guys they have. So they're trying to assess how far do they really want to go in terms of, you know, dangling some of these guys in terms of trades, especially when they can re-sign a Danilo Gallinari in the summer, maybe get a sign and trade to get him to the place that he wants to go ultimately. You might just want to play this out if you're the Thunder. Maybe pick up a guy in the buyout market, uh, if possible, um, to add a low-cost guy to your team going into the playoffs without having to give up all the assets that you accumulated. Yeah, I mean, the the truth of it, too, is like the Thunder are actually in a, a good position trade-wise, whereas like, and we've talked about it on this podcast many times, like the Rockets are kind of in that tough spot because the salaries that they, they, to get a piece that would really help them, like to, to go after a Covington or, or a, a Crowder or something, like it gets difficult salary-wise in terms yeah. of who you're giving up because you can't trade Gordon because he signed the extension at he has, you know, you can't trade him till the summer. Basically, they're in a tough spot. Whereas the Thunder are in that, they're in that interesting position of like, well, look, we're a playoff team right now. If we stand pat, you know, we kind of got to figure out what they want to do with Gallinari and everything. So it's a it's a fun sort of situation to see. But I just think playoff time between these these this core of these two teams, I think, which will stay together for the most part, is is going to be fun. But let me ask you this question. In a playoff series, would Westbrook continue to get all the support he's going to get in Oklahoma City? Like, you know, are the fans still going to be rabid? I mean, we know there's not going to be a tribute video. And I'm going to, I don't like tribute videos. This was well done and well deserved for Westbrook. I think we give them out to everybody, but I'll lose my, I'll just go nuts if they gave a tribute video out during a playoffs. (laughs) I think over the course of like a week and a half, two weeks, the I would I, I'm not going to say the fans would turn on Westbrook, but they would certainly. I, I certainly think that Westbrook would do or say something, or an incident would happen between the two teams 
to where the fans would have to say, okay, we're supporting our team, and you, sir, now are the man that we have to beat. You even saw that last night. The fans got mm-hmm. wholly behind the Thunder once the game tipped off. They didn't boo Westbrook or anything, but they were wholly behind their guys. Um, and they were wholly supportive of you know the Thunder doing what they had to do. It's not like they were cheering Westbrook buckets. So, <laughs> yeah, if this extended to an actual series, I think it would get to a point to where you know Westbrook definitely became the 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 opponent slash you know guy that you had to defeat but not necessarily like the villain or anything like that right right and that's and that's kind of the way i would i would hope it would be actually because he's done a lot of good things there at the organization they've they've sort of you know i mean he stuck with them and and all that up until this point you know and and then they moved on from him so it would be a uh It'd be a shame if, if all of a sudden it became a villain atmosphere. I think you're right. Like ter- yeah. using the term, he's just the opponent is, is, is something I like. One thing I found funny, somebody tweeted it during the game. I think, um, I guess the referees were welcoming Russ back and, and, and it got, and it got under Chris Paul's skin a little bit. He's like, you guys don't have to welcome him back to, too, you know, like, Chris, you know this. Chris doesn't give an inch, man. He's always looking for an advantage. Uh, he's always politicking. He's always trying to make sure that you know his team's got the edge. And you got to make he, sure your jerseys are tucked in, man. Like yeah. you gotta, you gotta be yeah. on top of it all. You got to know the rules, you know. And uh, <laughs> Chris has been fun to be around. And uh, I know that he he's kind of worn out his welcome in, in two destinations at least. Uh, and, you know, it was probably time for that to end in Houston, which was a, a big reason why this deal went down because of, you know, kind of the fracturing of that relationship between he and James. But man, when, when Chris gets to a team and when Chris is on your team, there's, there's going to be a baseline for success. The, 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 you, you're not, the, that was the whole, concept of Chris Paul being on his team to begin with is that Sam Presti believed that the Thunder couldn't fully start to rebuild until Chris Paul was not on this team because Chris Paul's too good. (laughs) Right. He's going to win you games. Yes. He's just too good. (laughs) He's too good at basketball. So like as long as he's healthy and again, that's an undersold part of this entire Thunder run too, is if Chris Paul suffers an injury and it's inevitable, he will get hurt at some point during the season. How does the Thunder respond when he does get hurt? Uh, whether it's later on in the regular season or during the playoffs, he's worked really hard in the offseason to get his body into shape to where he can handle what he's trying to accomplish at 34 years old, changing his diet, uh, you know, going on a plant-based diet and, and, and really taking care of his body and being conscious of that. But he gets hurt every year. So it's like uh, when that does happen, uh, what, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened in a playoff series against the Rockets. Uh, how is that going to affect this Thunder team? Because Chris Paul has been so important to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it it becomes a real challenge. I think in the playoffs, I mean, I would still pick the Rockets just because I think, you know, I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of 5 for 17 shooting nights from Harden. I think yeah. we'll, we'll see more rest. I think the, um, like you said, it's not an excuse, but I think playing those heavy minutes in Atlanta, which by the way, shouldn't have been a close game. 
they should have blown it. I mean, they were blowing yeah. Atlanta out and let them come back in. Like he shouldn't have had to play 40 minutes at that point. Um, but I think that that's kind of the challenge there for this team. And, you know, it it was just tough to watch because I just felt like when I was watching, I was like, man, I was I was really hoping for a better game, Eric. I was hoping for yeah. something tight. I I was hoping for our, a little animosity too. I was hoping for, you know, it, it was it was too much. Once we got a blowout, it was like, okay, this is just going to be a good vibe sort of game. You know, yeah. the Thunder fans are in a good mood. You know, they they welcoming Russ back, but they're also kicking his ass at the same time. Like they're rolling. Um, it was just a tough night, and for the Rockets, it was just difficult. Like they couldn't hit a shot. Um, eleven of forty from three just not a night that we expect to see from them. So a bit disappointing in that end. Well, you know, an, an, an important guy, and we, we haven't mentioned his name because he didn't play last night. Um, I think once the Rockets get Eric Gordon, or if they get him back to where he's supposed to be, that's going to change the, the entire dynamic because yeah. um, he's just that additional floor spacer that Russell Westbrook can find in situations to really make life easier on them. Um, particularly in those non-hardened minutes. Um, Gordon is so important to them. And if he's on the floor in a playoff series and he's healthy against the Thunder, I, I really find it hard to believe that a trio of Westbrook, Gordon, Harden, along with PJ Tucker as the stopper and Clint Capella, kind of trying to you know cancel out what Steven Adams does, I really find it hard to believe that the Thunder could beat that five um, closing closing games. Um, just the the, ta- the talent is better um, with the Rockets when you when you factor in Gordon uh, when he's healthy. Yeah, and that's the key. And and Gordon's slowly kind of working himself back in into shape again, back to back. So obviously he wasn't going to play tonight, you know, and, and he, but he started out slow and that's the big thing is they got to get him back and, and just rolling again, the way he used to, you know, and we, we've seen nights where Gordon has gone off and been able to really kill it. And I think it's extremely important, almost more when they go to their second unit, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, he, it, like you said, he spaces the floor more for Russ and it's another shooter for him to find. But I think that's really when he can start to really kill it. You know, they run a play where he throws the ball into the post. to. He used to run it with Chris, but now he's, he throws the ball into the post to Russ and then comes off of a down screen and gets usually gets an open three out of it or back cuts and gets a layup if a team overplays it. So I think, you know, you're right on in that sense of like Gordon plays a very special role for this team. And if he's right, it's it's going to be tough in that situation. But if, so like if, if both teams are healthy and this is the iteration, this no trades, these are the two teams, you know, what's your prediction for the series? And I know I'm asking you to do something like that in January and <laughs> nobody's going to hold this against Eric at all. We're not going to hold him to this. This is an unfair Mo question, but you guys know long enough. I tend to do this. What would be your prediction? I'd probably go Rockets in six. Um, they'd have, if all teams are healthy, um, they'd have they'd have the advantage. I think. I, I think yeah. that certain players would cancel each other out, like Capella and uh, Adams. Um, you know, you could sick PJ Tucker on whoever the hot hand is at that time. I'd still have questions about the Rockets' defense, particularly against the Thunder's best lineups. So that three guard lineup could, I think, really 
expose some things and have to force Westbrook and Harden to defend more than they'd be comfortable doing. But um, especially if the Rockets can go and add another defensive guy, like maybe they got somebody in the buyout market that can help them defensively. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't pick the Thunder. I think it would be highly competitive. It would be close games. Uh, I just feel like the Thunder is maximizing their talent and their health as much as possible right now. And I think that there's going to come a point in the season where someone is going to have to miss a significant period of time. It's probably going to be Chris Paul. And that's going to be when you're going to have some questions about, you know, you know, how healthy is this team going to be in a series? And, and then, frankly, James Harden is just going to have better nights than he's had against the Thunder uh, so far this season. And he's there's not really a defensive stopper the way there is a P.J. Tucker on the Thunder. Um, they, they have guys who are good defensively. Like Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder are having really good defensive years. Terrence Ferguson can chase James Harden around screens and, and kind of stay in front of him. But they don't have someone that's as – that combines the size, length, force, and athleticism of a LeBron, of a P.J. Tucker, of, of an Andre Robertson that they had two years ago that can really, you know, make James work as hard as possible throughout a series. So I think it would probably be the Rockets you would have to give the edge to. I'm shocked you don't think Gallinari can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love Danilo Gallinari, but we're, we're, we're not starting with his defense when we're talking about no. things that he's bringing to uh, – a series against the Rockets. Yeah, and that wasn't. And that, I mean, he's he just wouldn't be able to guard Harden. But that's no <laughs> and, and you know that's another thing too. Over over a seven game series, the Rockets have have been able to exploit mismatches as well as any team we've seen over the past five or six years. They get the matchups they want. They get Harden in isolation against guys, and they would do that with Gallinari. They do it the same way yeah. um, they did it to Ennis Canner uh, in seventeen. Uh, you know, the same way that Utah did it to Carmelo Anthony in 18. So James Harden would seek those guys out and, and, he, and he definitely exploit them. Yeah, I mean, they definitely do. The Rockets are better, I think, in the playoffs than most teams at, in, in matchup hunting, yeah. you know, and, 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 and singling out the guy that they're like, this is who we want to attack and this is exactly how we're going to get him every time. And I think, you know, sometimes they do it so well that it's almost too much sometimes. Sometimes they spend so much of the shot clock trying to get that done where it's like by the time they get the matchups, like James got two seconds. Uh, he's, yeah. Now he's got now he's got to pull up for a shot, which to his credit, he makes quite a bit. So it's it's pretty interesting in that regard. Eric, we're, we're going to wrap here. Tell everybody where they can find you. What do you have coming out uh, on The Athletic? And uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm 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 at Eric Horn OK on Twitter. It's E R I K H O R N E O K on Twitter. Uh, you can find my work at theathletic.com, and uh, I would suggest you download the app because it's really awesome. And you can read all of our other great writers. Uh, very awesome app, and listen to the podcast. And uh, you know, as, as far as things I'm working on, um, I'd like to do. A, I'm working on a really good Gallinari piece about him, and um, also the connection he has with his father and his younger brother. His younger brother is an is an NAIA um, basketball player who not a lot of people know about. But uh, you know, Danilo and his younger brother are nine or ten years apart in age, but they still have a really good connection. And um, Gallinari's father was a was an Italian professional, so he 
you know where the the talent comes from there. And then right. probably going to do a story on Billy Donovan and, and his coaching staff and, you know, what effect they've had on the Thunder this season. Um, you know, Billy's kind of getting some, some low-key coach of the year buzz. And uh, it's time to kind of take a deeper look at that and, and, and what's changed in, in, in the last in the last year or so. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the first year I really feel like we've gotten to see Billy Donovan actually coach and not necessarily have a system that's already in place that he has to just continue to manage. So mm-hmm. that'd be fascinating. I'm looking forward to reading all of that stuff when it comes out, Eric. I highly recommend everybody follow Eric on Twitter. Check out his stuff. His writing's great. I know earlier he's, he he he, he kind of tried to be humble, but I'm not going to allow him to do that. You know, he's a great writer. <laughs> Check out his stuff. Like he's he's awesome. I highly recommend it, folks. If you don't subscribe to the Athletic, use our link, theathletic.com/slash Brody and the Beard. Spell the whole podcast out, Brody and the Beard, to get forty percent off an annual subscription. And just so you guys know, you're not just getting the podcast. You're not just getting NBA writing. You're getting it across all sports. We have top writers in every league. I'm telling you right now, you're missing out. 40% off annual subscription. This is a value you cannot miss. I think it's like a coffee a week, guys. Not even that. A coffee a month. It's like three bucks a month. What are you waiting for? So for Eric, for me, for Sasha, we out. We out.